I don't know how that reading was for you, but that was very long. And as I was listening to it again, I, I began to get distracted by it, right? It's so long, and there's so much to get out of it. So I want to challenge you this week to really take some time with it, to pray with it, to really spend time and wrestle with it, because I wish I had the time with you today to really break open all the parts and the intricacies behind this reading, because there's a lot to get out of this. But I hope today just to begin to scratch the surface and break open that first layer for everyone so you can begin to wrestle with this scripture this week. So the question I would like to pose for all of us in our reflection today is why are we here and who is Jesus Christ for you? I would like for us to begin with the question, who is Jesus Christ for you? If you listen to that question very carefully and pay attention to the wording, I'm not asking you to tell me the response or quote me the catechism. I'm not here even to ask you to give me your favorite passage in Scripture that describes who God is. I'm not even asking for you to give me a summary or a synopsis of who God is according to your favorite author, according to your favorite theologian. But the question is for us, who is God for you? Today we come to understand who God is in a more deeper and intimate way. We hear the first articulation when Martha and Mary sends message to Jesus saying, Master, the one you love is ill. There's a reason why the word love is put into that message. The one you love is ill. This love that, that Martha and Mary speaks of, speaks of an intimate relationship and encounter with God. They know him first and foremost as a human being. They've come to relate and connect with him as Jesus Christ, as Son of God. So it illustrates for each and every one of us that God is not this philosophical thing, this being out in a distance that we quote, we talk about. He is not this being out in the distance that is there as an angry parent trying to punish each and every one of us for doing wrong. He's not out there to watch everything that we do. So when we fail, he's going to hold us and catch us in that act of doing wrong. But instead, we come to find out that God is love. He comes and desires to be in relationship with us. But just like you and I, just like Martha and Mary, sometimes it is difficult to be convinced of that love. We hear further down, Martha meeting Jesus right outside the city and telling Jesus, Lord, if you were there, if you were here at that moment, Lazarus wouldn't have died. What is that reaction? What is Martha really speaking about? She's having trouble understanding who God is and that image of God. He's cured all these people 
in his mission. He's done all these great things. But for me, as someone who's in relationship with God, why don't you love me? Why don't you love me the way I want to be loved? Why don't you show your power, your prestige, your love for me in the way I want it to be portrayed and loved? For Martha, the way she wanted it to be loved was when she needed God for something, he was there. When she asked God for something, he would do it. Because their intimate relationship they have, she expected something from that love. But sadly, that's not the love that God is showing us today. The main focus becomes not the dialogue and the interaction between Mary, Martha, and Jesus, but is actually the focus on Lazarus. My brothers and sisters, we were created for love, to be loved, and out of love from the beginning of time. And for that reason, God seeks and wants us to love him unconditionally. He created us so that we can freely give and respond to God's unconditional love for each and every one of us. He created the angels who give him praise day and night. But he wanted to create us as human beings to know, to love, to serve him in this life and in the life to come. To do it freely and willingly. The challenge we face is death. Death crept into this world because of sin. Sin is a broken and a severed relationship, not only with us and God, but with us and humanity. So when we look at the death of Lazarus, we see the destruction of sin. We see the effects that, cause, that death causes in the relationship between Mary and Martha and Lazarus. The death of Lazarus caused a lot of grief, caused a lot of hurt, caused this separation to occur in their relationship that is not meant to be there. But Jesus, in loving us so unconditionally, did the will of the Father, became man, so that sin has no power over us anymore. One of the challenging things about death is when we see it, it seems like it's a goodbye forever. We lose the loved one, whether that's a grandparent, whether that's mom, dad, brother, sister, uncle, aunt. Once they take their last breath here on earth, it seems like we say goodbye to them forever. They're not going to be at our side anymore. We don't get to see their smile, their joy, their excitement, their personality anymore. They miss all these great momentous occasions of people's lives. Whether that's as parents missing graduations, missing college recitals, missing weddings, grandparents watching the grandkids grow up, uncles and aunts missing the big parts and big moments in everyone's life. When they take their last breath, it seems like it's a goodbye forever. When we see and understand it without the aspect of love, then it is a goodbye forever. We're not seeing them again. They're gone forever. 
But instead today we hear from Jesus that death has nothing over us. Lazarus was in the tomb for four days. That number four plays a very key and crucial part. Because in Jewish tradition when it comes to burial, there's two tombs within one. There's an inner tomb and an outer tomb. This outer tomb was a larger tomb where the body was primarily set first. So when someone was buried, they would be brought into this outer tomb and set there and laid there. And they were checked on, cleaned on and everything for three days. That was their way to ensure that that person was actually dead. By the fourth day, the body would then be transported into their permanent tomb and be sealed off forever. So when we hear that it is the fourth day, Lazarus has been dead for four days, and there could be a stench, it really illustrates for us that Lazarus is really dead. Nothing else can be done. But for Jesus, out of love for his brother, says that's not it. Death has not conquered. Death has not the last word. But I have the last word. I am the resurrection. I am the life. He raises Lazarus from the tomb and tells him to rise and come out of that tomb. He loves each and every one of us. So the question becomes, why are we here? Why does all of this matter? I bet plenty of us can come up with great excuses why on a Sunday afternoon we can, why do we have to sit here in church? There's better things we can spend our time doing. Especially on this beautiful day like today, we can go out, have a gathering with family, enjoy the rest of the day, relax, spend some time at the lake, do plenty of other things besides coming here to church. So why are we here? We're not here to simply be here because a puppet master, because God, if we're not here at Mass, we're not appeasing this God, and He won't leave us alone. If we don't show up to Mass, we're going to be punished. Our families are going to be punished and cursed. All these bad things are going to occur in my family's life, and therefore I have to be here to keep God at bay. That's not the case. We should be coming here in full response to that love that God has for each and every one of us. He loves us unconditionally. He gives himself fully over to us and asks us to freely choose and respond to that unconditional love. We come here to freely respond to that. We come here recognizing the need for God's love, we come here to respond to that gift, to give glory, to give praise to God for all the wonderful blessings he's bestowed upon us and how he's loved each and every one of us in our particular way. And in doing so, we, want, we do not want to separate ourselves from the love of God. We don't want anything to hinder us from unconditionally loving and trying our best to love him the way he has loved each and every one of us. So my dear brothers and sisters, as we continue these final days of Lent, we're approaching 
the most holy of holy weeks in the liturgical year, in which we come to meditate more deeply the mystery of God, of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, all done out of love for each and every one of us, all wanting to give of a gift of spending eternity loving and responding to his love where he conquers death for us so that we can gain eternal life with him. And when we take our last breath here on earth, it's not a goodbye forever, but it's a goodbye for now until we all can be reunited together in heaven, seeing God face to face. So let us take these final weeks in preparing our hearts, our minds, our souls to really be able to fully meditate on the gravity, on the depth of God's love so that when we enter into that sacred mystery, to when we enter into that Holy Week mystery, we can enter more fully and begin to wrestle and understand how much God loves each and every one of us.